Hello and welcome to Proper Full On Gay Crisis. I'm Jamie and joining me this week are Molly from The Proud Trust and Maria from Power Friend. If you believe in the show nearly as much as Isaac believes in romance, set your book down and hit subscribe. Give us a thumbs up and write a five-star review. You can discover more about the show and our partners at properfullongaycrisis.com and if you feel like sharing your own story, reach out to properfullongc at gmail.com. This is season one, chapter four, Secret. Let's meet our guests. Hi, folks. You're so welcome. Normally, we're just joined by one partner, but tonight is so special because we've got Molly from the Proud Trust and Maria from Cara Friend, two of our national partners. You are so welcome to the show, folks. Um, why don't you introduce yourselves? Yeah. Um, so, hi, I'm Molly. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I am from the Proud Trust. Uh, which is a Manchester-based LGBT plus youth organisation. Um, and we work locally with supporting youth groups and supporting our young people through our Building the Proud Place. Um, but we also work nationally through various different services. So we have like a digital youth service, um, which is our Proud Connection service. We do a lot of training and work in schools. Um, so all sorts kind of in Manchester and around working with some wonderful young people and people who work with young people as well. Very good. Has the Pride Trust been around for long? Um, so we've existed in a few different forms um, since around the 1970s. So um, what is now the Proud Place used to be Manchester's first gay centre. Um, and so that opened around the 1970s and existed in its form up until um, around three, four years ago. And then some funding was given to revamp the old building. And you can really see the difference between attitudes in the two different buildings. So the old building was quite hidden away and it didn't really have any windows and it was quite old because yeah. the attitude at the time that it was built was to be hidden away in a safe space compared to the proud place now, which is a three floor giant gold building that you can't miss yeah. if you're ever on Oxford <laughs> Street. Um but it is so like we're here, we're we want to be proud. Yeah. Um and it's it's just the most phenomenal building that it was the first purpose-built youth centre in the country for LGBT plus youth. Um, so we've existed through different forms, through being Manchester's gay and lesbian groups to becoming the Proud Trust. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks so much. Uh, Maria, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah. My name's Maria Gianni Wilkinson. Uh, my pronouns are she, they, and I work for a care friend um, under the youth services department. Um, I don't know if you can tell from my voice, but I'm not originally from here. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm married to my husband, Michael, for a few years now, and we he's from here, so we've lived in Belfast for the last four years. Um, I started working for care friend about a year ago. Care Friend is one of the organizations that is based in Belfast, but works nationwide across Northern Ireland and partly in the South as well, that provides LGBT plus, uh, LGBTQI plus services for multiple ways. Um, we do a lot of community development, um, which includes our national helpline, which has been mm -hmm. going for almost 50 years now. 
Oh, um, wow. And we, uh, yeah, so yeah, it's been going on it's, since back in the, we actually had a play just a few, few months ago called Callings that was at the Lyric that was kind of showed, showed the original, original, what it looked like way back then. And it was just like two people sitting oh, in an office and it's very, very different than what it is now. It's really, really interesting to watch that play. Um, and we also have a, a couple of charters that one of our um, managers, Joe McParland, has been creating over the past few years, the Inclusive Youth Schools Charter and the Inclusive Business Charter, which brings in more organizations and more schools to help, not just like for the support of LGBTQI plus young people and people in general, but also to provide awareness and training and understanding and acceptance across the nation. Um, I myself work as the Southeastern uh, Regional Development Officer. So what I do is I connect with um, a few different managers of uh, voluntary and EA and other organizations of youth provision across the Southeast and a little bit in the Southwest and help them with training up their staff, creating a weekly or um, bi-monthly youth provision where the LGBTQI plus people of their organization can come and find safe spaces, providing them curriculum support, um, regular mentorship with those leaders, and then getting them connected across the Southeast as well. Um, so it's quite a new organization or quite a new part of the organization there. And it's been really, really great to kind of lead the charge of creating that and then figuring out where that's going to go for the next few years how exciting like yeah. that must be really exciting what a good opportunity um yeah. today is international pronoun day or intergalactic pronoun Woo. day as it was christened by the pride trust um so <laughs> i'm jamie and my pronouns are he him and um, it's not something we've been very good at so far sharing our pronouns but we really should do it why is it important that we share pronouns um, I love the word. I love the word usualize. I think a lot of times we use the term normalize where we say, oh, we're going to make this a normal thing, but it's actually just making it something that's a usual thing. So mm -hmm. allowing for the fact that your pronouns may be maybe not what someone expects or maybe something different or maybe just maybe allows other persons who really feel they need to start sharing them more often feel like it's a usual thing it's not a weird yeah. thing for someone who's trans or non-binary or on the spectrum of any case to share them it's not like oh well we're going to point you out just because you're sharing your pronouns I share them too you know for yeah sure. I think it really takes the pressure off as well I think a lot of the time there's the expectation that if you want people to use pronouns that you want people to use it's your responsibility to mm -hmm. declare them and that's a really kind of high pressure situation actually it does usualize them by introducing yourself because it's just another sound that you want people to make in reference to you in the same way that your name is a sound that you want people to make in reference to you yeah. um and it just creates that kind of comfortable space as well as it almost alerts someone who maybe might be trans and non-binary uh, this yeah. person has some sort of awareness of lgbt plus community and so it instantly might then create a safe space for them or provide them with the space to maybe disclose a pronoun that they wouldn't normally sure. disclose in a typical yeah. space um, i love that that's such a great point yeah definitely oh happy pronoun day so thanks so much listeners for tuning in i'm so grateful for everybody who takes a bit of time out of their day to come and listen to what we have to say this show is all about Heartstopper, but really um, Heartstopper is just our inspiration to have conversations about the lives of queer youth and find out a little bit more about queer culture and I guess the lives of queer youth today. We're really grateful. We've had listeners from all over the world, um, which is a real surprise. So yeah, thanks so much for spending a bit of your day with us. Should we get stuck into the episode? Yes. <laughs> 
This is such a great episode. We're here to talk about chapter four. I've forgotten its name. How terrible is that? Secret. <laughs> Secret. Yes. We're here to talk about chapter four, Secret. Um, this is a great episode. What were your impressions of it? I love this episode. This is actually one of my favourite episodes. I think this one and the, the finale. Um, because I think we really get to see where all the different characters are at at a real important point for each of them. That is so true. At different points of the episode, it's so true. found it quite heart-wrenching, to be honest with you, especially, oh, well, I don't want to spoil too much as we get into the episode, but especially near the one of the parts at the end um, with a, with one of the weak lances uh, the main characters were giving each other. It's just, it's, it's really heartbreaking to see something that you understand why the situation yeah. is happening, but also yeah. at the same time, it doesn't make it any more easy to go through easy to watch definitely definitely well we start this episode picking up where we left off with um nick on charlie's doorstep this is such an iconic moment for lots of fans he's standing totally drenched wearing the same blue hoodie that him and charlie that he lent charlie when they played in the snow back in i think it was episode two and yeah he's just there waiting for charlie on the doorstep i think what's so wonderful about specifically this moment is that it's something that's so like rom-com cliche that like running to the person that you love in the rain and those typical cliches are something that lgbt plus people have been deprived of for so long definitely Um, we're used to having you know not happy storylines and you know usually one of the characters dies in the end yeah it's just so beautiful and just completely utilizing the fact of like here's a classic cheesy rom-com moment but for lgbt plus people oh it's so nice it's such a lovely moment alice is quoted as saying that troops are troops for a reason and we just love these moments and to see it with two queer characters is just so great to watch it's such a joy Um, Nick apologizes for not texting. He just wanted to chat to Charlie in person and Charlie invites him in and they start to talk about what happened the night before but get interrupted by Charlie's mum. So off they go to Charlie's room where Nick's about to chat and tell uh, fill Charlie in on the blanks and, and Charlie interrupts saying how sorry he is that he didn't think about what he was doing and that it was stupid that he doesn't want Nick to feel awful. He's really blaming himself and, and anticipating the worst. Nick tells him to hang on, takes a step towards him, but Charlie continues saying that he shouldn't have kissed Nick, that Nick just feel pressure to do it. And now he probably never wants to talk to Charlie again. It's such a painful moment for Charlie. He's so upset about what happened and and how it played out at the end of the night. I think he straight away, obviously he has had such a difficult experience with Ben. And even though he knows that Nick is not like Ben, um, anxiety doesn't always rule over logic. And even though it's a logical thought, they're very different. His instinct is to revert back to that I'm so sorry, like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, yes. I didn't want to put you in an awkward position. And it's a natural thing as someone with anxiety to constantly apologise in situations where you don't need to apologise for. And I think that's something that a lot of young people resonated with, of, like, that constant saying sorry, and it kind of becomes a common theme of, like, you're not allowed to say the S word. Mm. Yes, for sure. I think, I think with queer relationships, it's so often that you get negative relationships or abusive relationships or really hard relationships because it's a lot harder 
to find representation of what that looks like. It's a lot harder to find health, like people who you know who are queer. It's a lot easier to experience unhealthy things because you've had other Yeah. unhealthy things. And so it's a fairly, I, I felt like it was a very like understandable and like probably like relatable experience for him to react in such a like responding from a bad relationship kind of way to something that isn't like that because I feel like a lot of times we were talking, you said earlier, Molly, about
Yeah. Up until the moment Nick kisses him back, just be like, <laughs> oh, okay, it's fine. It's definitely fine. Too. <laughs> I know. Definitely, definitely. Um, it really is so lovely to see the pair support each other like this. It's just, it's a really nice moment. Um, as Nick leaves, he asks Charlie if it's okay that they keep it a secret at school. He doesn't feel like he can come out as anything yet. He's still trying to figure himself out, you know. He takes a blue and yellow umbrella from Charlie, like the iconic blue and yellow color troupe. Nick leaves and Charlie chases after him in the rain. This is another lovely moment. He calls his name and catches up with him at the corner and they kiss again under the, the blue and yellow umbrella. The umbrella is mostly yellow. It's just a little bit blue. I think there's like just just over half of its yellow again. People speculate about the meaning of blue and yellow. I say this all the time. I think I've said it in every episode yeah. that... that some people think the yellow is for Charlie, blues for Nick. I think yellow is for queerness. Yeah. And yeah, as they kiss, you can hear um, fire at the sound of fireworks and blue, blue and yellow hearts pop. Just another one of those like lovely moments that they have between the two of them. And in a way, this is like the first two times that, that Nick and Charlie have kissed are both a little bit... It's a bit messy. Like the first time at the party, Charlie runs off and he gets really upset and then this time again Charlie's really upset and he's interrupted by Nick with a kiss so this is like their first really lovely kiss that doesn't have all that kind of drama attached to it. On Monday Nick arrives into school to find Imogen at his usual picnic bench. She notices that something's very different with Nick. Imogen is one of my favorite characters in the show. She's not in the books, she's a new character that's been added. She has these moments of where she shows real emotional intelligence. Like she has known Nick for only a few years and yet she can pick up on something being different with Nick in, in his body language or in the way he kind of carries himself. I love Imogen as a character. I think she is a great addition to the cast and and the friendship groups i think she's a really interesting and multi-layered character mm, i think definitely where she, the journey that she goes throughout the season um i know a lot of people kind of villainized her a little bit and i think she's just that almost like teenage pick me one of the lads <laughs> yeah. kind of girl yeah. okay that, that everyone has known or has been that type of girl at first that Usually those girls grow up to be queer. Yeah. And I think there's a real interesting way with Imogen and the way that she like, you almost feel sorry for her because she has these genuine feelings for Nick. Yeah. And I like that they contrast it with Nick's feelings of, oh, actually, do I also have feelings for this this yes. person as well? And yeah. the conversation around bisexuality that a lot of shows haven't had before mm-hmm. definitely I think it's really I think it's really interesting watching such a nuanced take on a character because quite often in shows especially a lot of times it gets dumbed down and 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 like quote-unquote teen shows where it's like either someone's the bad person or the good person she's like on the bad side or the good side versus I think getting to see people from multifaceted areas of, of who they are like for Imogen yeah she could be villainized you could be annoyed but also you could really understand and relate to her and see there's a reason for the way that she might act or say whatever the way she is even later in her conversation where she's like I'm an ally and it's like you understand why she says that and you can like <laughs> I can imagine a friend of mine who I love you being like I am an ally yeah after having said something weird and it's like you get why she is the way she is and I just appreciate the multifaceted like you said and like the kind of like nuance of people are real characters they're not just yes. like all good or all bad there's so much to them beyond that you know 
that's so true and I do yeah. feel like I feel so sorry for Imogen like whenever mm. she told Nick at the party in the last episode that she really likes him and he just looks so awkward and she can tell that he doesn't really <laughs> like her that way you know it's just such an it's so super awkward so yeah I feel a lot for Imogen I think that that the whole situation with her and Nick is her and Nick is brought about just through how people expect her to behave and that kind of pressure that she's under but yeah, she's a brilliant character. She adds so much. Yeah. I think any time that she's in in a scene, she adds so much to it. We join Charlie as he walks to class and Nick is waiting at their usual desk in quite a cute moment whenever they both smile at each other and make eye contact. They have lunch together that day in Mr. Jay's art room. Charlie bumps into Mr. Jay as he walks out and he tells Charlie that Nick is in there waiting for him. And he asks Charlie if it's the secret boyfriend or the straight boy crush. Of course, Nick is now both of those things. I love this moment with Mr. Jay. I think it's one of his best. He's a really, really great character. He's fab. I, I, I really enjoy the fact that he has such a great confidence in Charlie and also he is somewhat protective over Charlie because of his experiences. Um, and the art room is Charlie's safe space. It's, yeah, it's sure. his space that he goes to get away from the rugby lads or the bully, and it has been for the last few years. Yeah. Um, so the, I think there's something really poignant about the fact that Nick is let into his safe space. That's so um, true, actually. That's so true. I hadn't picked up on that. But yeah, you're right. That's definitely, yeah, that's brilliant. It's, it's like nothing like a young or like a young person getting to experience a proper mentorish kind of relationship with an adult, you know, and getting to see that because I think there's a very big difference between an adult in your life who gets it and understands and is there for you versus an adult who treats you with respect mm-hmm. and like a peer do you know and like is like kind of like has the banter has the jokes has like the kind of like relationship like that's very different to I think what we think of or what we see as like a mentor mentee like friendship you know it's it's more than that and I think that it's so lovely to see that on screen oh for sure the way that the show handles the the, particularly the queer teachers Mm -hmm. and the the ways of those teachers being out and proud and yet it never really mentions them you know, whether That's it's right. Mr. Jay's pin on his lanyard or um, the rugby teacher saying lots of gay people are good at sports, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, that's all that really needs to be said about it. And I think the show does such a good job of showing how important it is to have openly queer teachers because, mm. you know, we're still suffering from the damage of laws of the outlawed talking about yeah. being gay and being queer in school. You know, despite the fact those laws were repealed over 20 years ago, it still has the effects of them are still very prominent in schools. And so it's kind of showing, look how important having these openly queer role models within schools are to young people without saying any of that. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And although they're, they, they feel like history here in the UK, it's still very real in other parts of the world. Like there are some US states that are passing that don't say gay legislation. There's people who've been fired for talking about their life or who've it's been threatened awful. with firing, who've been suspended. Like it's actually like such a, it's such a frustration for me, like living here and like watching those kinds of things happen, especially considering, you know, like DOMA was repealed what like 10 years ago do you know and then all of a sudden like 10 years later it's like this complete shove back against all of that by like these right-wing politicians and conservative mindsets and like a lot of like a religious fervor and it's so frustrating to see that happen and like so thankful that like you see things like this happening on the screen where it's like not even not even that it's a question because I'm sure obviously it's still a question of like is this 
this is different, you know, like I'm sure that there's still people yeah. here who experience that, but you can see what it could be like if it was, if it was the normal thing and if it wasn't so discriminated against and if people would just be more understanding or be less rigid or be less putting their own beliefs into something that they have no right to put them into it's really really strong it's a really big struggle just watching it as an american and seeing that to be completely honest yeah, with you to watch mm -hmm. it play I, it is it's yeah. um like it's just it's very sad in a way but hopefully hopefully it will not be long-lived hopefully it'll be over I, very quickly. <laughs> can i ask i was gonna ask you guys actually i was because I've, I've said this to a few of my young people and i've talked to them about this recently because they have they notice especially groups where the young people start getting more and more confident and they start noticing more and more people saying things about them in public spaces and things and it's so interesting to me this kind of like weird pull and push when it comes to like the fight or whatever you want to call it where if you are somebody who is trying to fight for your rights as a minority person and you get really far and you push really far and you feel like you've gained a lot and then all of a sudden there's a huge amount of pushback and it's like the other side or people who don't want it to happen all of a sudden they're like oh they do have power they do have this kind of like yeah. way of pushing mm -hmm. things out into the world so we're actually going to stand up so sometimes Although I don't like it and I don't want negative things to happen, I don't want the discrimination to happen, I think it can be a sign of things going the right way as long as, you know, those things keep getting pushed and the people who are fighting for it keep pushing it. It's it's people pushing back because they've gotten so yeah. strong, because because the side has gotten so strong, gotten so much more visible in the world, you know? Definitely. And if you think that America is one of the most developed nations in the world, in the world, often seen as as one of the most developed nations in the world anyway. And to think that this is happening there is a bigger sign than ever that we really need to push and that we really need to fight. Um, certainly that's been a motivator for me anyway. It's I just think it's incredible that that's happening. Hi. Charlie walks into the, the art room and Nick tells him that he's missed him. Charlie asks if he minds ditching his friends and jokes um, that he needs to be there to get tips on how to be a good rugby player. Um, they hold hands under the table, which is a really cute moment again. And Nick asks if they're even allowed to be in the art room. Charlie explains that it's where he came when the bullying was really bad last year, as you said, Molly, that Mr. J was the only teacher that really cared that much. Nick tells Charlie that he was giving, giving him the evil eyes before Charlie arrived. and. Charlie inadvertently makes Nick feel very guilty for keeping their secret relationship by telling him that Mr. J probably thinks that he's Ben. Charlie tries to reassure Nick that it's okay. He takes both of his hands in his and tells him that he's nothing like Ben and that this situation is completely different. And it is completely different. I don't yeah. think Nick appreciates just how toxic Charlie's relationship was with, with Ben. In young queer relationships, is it quite common for one person to be in the closet and the other person to be out? I think it, it depends. And I think sometimes it depends on where those young people are at in their journey as well. Because yeah. sometimes yeah. there's like what we often find, and it's it's you know an experience of all queer people, not just queer young people, that there's no in the closet and out of the closet like it is a <laughs> yeah it is a gradual process and whether yeah. that's for gender identity or or sexual identity there's often a stage of like they're considered in the closet when they're maybe not out to anyone mm -hmm. but then okay. maybe they're out to mum and dad but yeah. not grandma and granddad mm -hmm. or often we find that people at school know maybe teachers know but nobody at home knows. And if different young people are at different stages or, you know, even just in general, if people are at different stages in their coming out journey, it can be difficult to navigate sometimes, whether yeah. it's like, well, 
you can come home and meet my parents, but I can't come home and meet yours because I'm out to my parents, but you're not out to yours. Yeah. It it can be a, you know, a, a difficult thing to navigate. And I think that's one of those things that the show shows really well is the different journeys, but also technically Nick and Ben are both at the same stage in their journeys. You know, they yeah. are clear, apparently on similar journeys you know we see ben have a girlfriend at points in the show yeah but it does a very good job of showing that these people are not the same Mm -hmm. and i think it does a good job of showing and almost reassuring nick that i think nick is scared of being like ben Mm. whilst also wanting to take his time on his own journey and not rush into things Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very nuanced take that it does really well yeah, that they're very they're very similar stages of their journey, but it's so different for both of them. Have either of you do either of you watch the TV show Shits Creek? Yes. I love Shits Creek. Oh, it's so my good. my favorite show of all time. <laughs> so after after Heartstopper, of course, like. But the episode where Patrick um or where I'm I'm, I'm just going to spoil it. So spoiler alert. So if you don't want to know what's yeah. going to happen in the show of Shits Creek, just skip ahead a couple minutes. <laughs> But there's an episode where David and Patrick, like David's throwing Patrick a surprise party and he finds out that Patrick hasn't come out to his parents. And there's this lovely conversation between David and Patrick where he like tries to get Patrick to admit that he hasn't told his parents. And Patrick is like, he like realizes David knows and he's like, I'm really sorry. I feel so bad. I just, I know they're going to the good people. I just don't know. And David, like the thing he says, he's like coming out is very personal and it depends on every single person. And if it's up to you and this is what you want, we will just pretend like this is just, I'm your business partner and that's what it's going to be this weekend. And it just goes to show like the selflessness yeah. In that scenario of understanding someone's context and someone's relationship and why someone reacts. Because Patrick isn't ashamed of David. Yeah. He's just got fear and scared. He's just got fear of like mm-hmm. how his relationship with his parents could change, which is totally valid and totally understandable. And like, yes, in this story here with Charlie and Nick, like the person that he was with before was hiding him. And now he, like, you know, you could say this is the same thing. Well, he's just, Nick is just hiding Charlie, but it's a completely different scenario because he's a completely different person, you know? And I think just to be able to note those differences between one person and another and realize that it is understandable why someone takes time to get out of, to quote unquote, to come out of the closet. It's not hiding. It's putting their own personal needs at a, at a level of importance as well and understanding those and allowing those to come alongside and, and play with Charlie and with, and with the relationship. So that's I think so it lovely. shows the importance of like context to every situation yes, as well. You absolutely. Know, whenever we're, we're working with, with young people and we go out and we do a lot of work in schools and a lot of people will ask questions like, how is, what is coming out like for young people or, or a lot of generalized state statements and, it, it completely depends on context. Yes, it you know, does. Some people you can come out every pop- day for the rest of your life. Yeah, you, know, you can come out because like you can go check into a hotel room and the person's like, "Oh yeah, so you and your husband." And I'm like, "Oh, but how do you like? Do I tell this person that it's actually my like not that yeah. it is my wife, but you know, you come out over and over again, always be ways." And I think especially you know the show talks a lot about bisexuality. Mm-hmm. Coming out as bisexual is a very, very interesting thing because you will almost be assigned a side depending on who you end up if you end up with anyone um you know i've i've recently just got engaged and my partner is female congratulations Um, (laughs) don't gloss over the joy (laughs) um but what was really interesting is that you know we 
we would had told it was in Disney World and we were speaking to someone that worked there and they were like, Oh my gosh, congratulations. Where's the groom? Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's those little tiny oh, that's, conversations. That's that... so like I know it's not like a huge, but it feel like if I oh that makes my my makes my heart ha- heart kind of sad. You know, it's like yeah. oh like this beautiful moment, and it's like but you just made an assumption. Like yeah, oh, that's yeah. So and it was it was one of those things that you know I've been out for ten years now, and it was a very comfortable thing that we laughed at. Mm-hmm. I was like they're there, and they were. Like, oh, <laughs> I thought you were sisters. It's like, definitely not sisters. And they lived as best friends forever. <laughs> and I think that's one thing that that's so many so people recognise is that whether you're out for one year, two years or ten mm-hmm. years, you will continue to come out for your entire life. And I think what young people realise, it's that first taking off that band-aid, whether it's telling that first best friend or telling that teacher that you trust or telling that parent once they've made that first step, every other step after that feels that little bit easier. That's so and true. I think we see that for Nick of his experience of telling the first friend, you know, even at the, the one before when he tells Tara. Yeah, that's right. You almost see his like, I've told someone. Yes. It's out there in the world, yeah. some way, shape, or form. And I think, you know, there's a Nick feels a lot of guilt around keeping their relationship a secret. He does. Uh, but he also does a really good job of not allowing that guilt to put pressure on his own coming out journey. Yeah, that's so true that he kind of carries it with him and still takes it all in his stride. And yeah, for sure. <laughs> Feels very, it's really nice watching these things and um, kind of like exciting where the conversation would go and then realizing how like, even something that you didn't realize connects to you on a personal level actually really, really does. And I think that's oh, such, a, definitely. such a thread of queer stories and, and existing in a queer space and then just as an LGBTQI plus person, like really, really, even hearing you say the word bisexual over and over again, Molly, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it just makes me feel so seen. How silly, you know, but it's just <laughs> like, oh, my my tagline is that I am quote unquote aggressively bisexual yes. and yes. I will continuously bring I think I've got my giant there's usually a giant bi flag behind me in some way oh shape or form oh my gosh I love it I love it if yeah. I can find a way to bring up bisexuality I will that's good so- I, I think so that's good. just going to be my motto from now on like I'm just going to go the, I'm going to go the Molly way for now so that's lovely <laughs> I love it oh so good at rugby practice, at rugby practice, we get another great heartstopper teacher moment. Um, Charlie's still really nervous about rugby, um, and he moves out of the way of an advancing player instead of tackling him. Coach Singh offers some really great advice about tackling, just to commit to it, not to worry about getting hurt, just throw yourself into it. Charlie remarks that it's hard to feel confident when everybody thinks that you're just a stereotypical gay boy who can't play sports or who can't do sports. And she tells him that even gay people are good at sports, which they are. Um, I love Coach Singh. She is one of, I love all of the characters in Heartstopper. Like I keep saying, she's one of my favorite characters, but they're all like my favorite (laughs) characters. Um, In the book, she plays a much more active role. She's out as a lesbian. She talks about her wife um, and she challenges um, some of the other rugby players whenever they speculate about Nick's sexuality. In the show, she's a wee bit more um, understated, but she's still an incredible um, character and she plays plays her role very well. Mm. I I think the way that they do the conversations around sport 
is one of the most relatable moments in the whole show, particularly the relationships between LGBT plus people in sport. And you almost, particularly if you think about tackling, Charlie is the only out gay person. You almost see the thing of like, I'm not being funny, but if I start putting my arms around these rugby lads, they're probably going to make a comment about me being gay or did you touch me there? Or that, that type of like gay panic of, I don't want to put my hands anywhere inappropriate so that these rugby lads make these comments. Yeah. Which is something that, that you know, cis-normative kind of heteronormative worlds, mm. don't even, those thoughts don't even cross their minds. They don't even mm. think about it. Yeah. And you can almost see that of going, just throw yourself into it. Those, there's so many thoughts going around rather than just giving someone a tackle for sure i had never even thought of that perspective that kind of you know to look at it from that angle it's so interesting should we talk about l and um tara and darcy for a while yes. yeah the trio get some really good screen time in this episode the first time we pick up with the characters is whenever they are entering their form room tara takes a seat and steals a quick kiss from darcy She's becoming much more confident now that she's started to come out and um, they're being a bit more casual about their relationship. Sometime later, Elle is walking outside and she overhears a small group of girls talking about Darcy and Tara kissing um, at Harry's party. One of them remarks that they they properly kissed on the dance floor and the other one jokes that at a school of 1200, there's bound to be at least some lesbians. The second girl jokes that maybe she's a lesbian and she just doesn't know it yet. It can be really liberating whenever you come out for the first time, but it must be quite hard in that kind of educational environment where you feel like everybody's talking about you and you can't really get away from it. Yeah, I think one thing that is great, particularly about this scene, is how often they say the word lesbian. (laughs) Because it's a word that we are not used to hearing. Often it's like queer women or like the term sapphic is sometimes something that people feel a bit more comfortable because or people might refer to themselves like a gay woman because there's a lot of uncomfiness around Mm -hmm. the word lesbian. But I think someone figured it out and it said something like eight times in the first minute of this scene. Like they say the word lesbian a lot and a lot of people are like, it was just really nice to hear that word. <laughs> um, but I think especially in, a, in an all-girls setting, it's often the word that's thrown around as like, oh, you're not a lesbian, are you? Mm-hmm. Like, particularly in all-girls settings, it's something that a lot of people struggle with, whether that's, you know, same-sex spaces around changing rooms or same-gender schools. Um I can see why it took these characters so long to come out because, you know, like the the little year seven girl said is in a school of a thousand girls, at least one of them is bound to be a lesbian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. In a few weeks time, we're joined by LGBT Youth Scotland, where we're going to be talking about specifically chapter six girls. And we'll be uh, chatting about coming out in particular and and how joyous it can be, but also how difficult it can be too. So make sure that you tune in for that. It's shaping up to be a really, really good episode. So keep your eye out for it in a few weeks' time. At lunchtime, Elle reassures Tara that everything will die down soon, just as Imogen arrives at the table. There's definitely no love lost between Tara and Imogen. Even before Imogen arrives at the table, Tara is rolling her eyes. Imogen announces that she needs to talk to Tara. She keeps hearing that her and Nick Nelson are an item. Darcy is really surprised. Tara kisses her girlfriend at a party and people are still asking if she's dating Nick. And yeah, it's a it's a funny moment. 
before she can ask again for confirmation that Tara has a girlfriend, she responds that um, she's a lesbian. Suddenly Imogen's facial expression changes and she announces that she's not homophobic. She's an ally. Oh, Lordy. Uh, you know, it's so funny because like, I think I, whenever like it was like, oh, how come like you kissed somebody when you were 13 and it's still going around and it's like how much of your young personhood and like teenager years and like college years are defined by your romantic relationships, no matter how <laughs> far past they are. And like, of course, it's always like an opposite sex thing whenever people talk yeah. about it because that's that's what it is but it's like oh five years ago you kissed him Ooh, and it's like <laughs> i'm 17 years old why are you talking about that mate like it's so funny how much that comes up i it's swear hilarious. it's so um, funny but with the with the ally thing it's so interesting oh i'm an ally like because like like i wouldn't even ugh, there's just such a weird not a weird thing but like with the word homophobic like people have this assumption that homophobic means hateful right yeah. they have this knowledge in their head that being homophobic is like intentionally hateful and like yeah. you can be an ally and also like do homophobic things without realizing the ally part is realizing it and rectifying it and altering it even if it's a small thing like homophobia yeah. is not necessarily hateful it's lack of understanding and purposeful ignorance you know and i think For people sure. have this really really misconception really strong misconception of what it actually is and i think that's so well shown here because like oh i'm an ally and like everybody in watching it's like no you're not and it's like actually <laughs> she, might, she might be she might she maybe just doesn't get it yet she's yeah. young she's not she's not had these conversations you know and, sure. and that's just something you want to have those conversations with people about in a in a in a very like non-combative way which you would never expect somebody who's maybe watching her talk crap about her girlfriend to be yeah be like you know giving her the conversation or giving her the lesson <laughs> but someone else someone else you know down the line okay Definitely. Ally, like the term ally gets thrown around quite a lot. But what does it actually mean when somebody says they're an mm -hmm. ally? What is it that they mean? I think what when people say they're an ally, I think often people say it and they genuinely do believe that they are an ally. Mm -hmm. um, I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Maria, of like, they're like, oh, I'm an ally because I would never hate crime a person. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's so much more than that. It's, you yeah. know, recognizing these, you know, recognizing that we live in a very cis normative heteronormative world and being an ally can be not presuming someone straight or it can be you know asking someone their pronouns it's active oh, yeah. it's not yeah. passive i allyship is not passive it's active like that's the difference and my like i think from what you're the way you're explaining it there molly and continue on but it's it's an active choice you don't passively just be an ally. You actively are an ally, like in the way that yeah. you present and create and like and live in your life. Do you know? And I think that's, you know, part of that is so important of like intersectionality of like, if you're an ally to the LGBT plus community, you're an ally to the LGBT plus community, which means you're an ally to trans people, mm -hmm. but you're also an ally to people of color and you're an ally to women and you, you can't support one minority without supporting, you know, liberation as a whole. Um, yeah. And I think there's something, you know, particularly with the way that people are at the moment. You know, it's like, I've been to Pride, hashtag ally. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> being an ally is so much more than standing in front of a sign with some rainbow glitter on your face yeah. for your Instagram story. Um, it's what can you do to actively, you know, challenge the system. And yeah. I think allies are so important. You know, we mm. really they are very necessary in the fight because 
often allies exist in spaces where minority groups don't mm-hmm. yeah. you know so if you're you know a cisgendered white man who is an ally you're more likely to have a seat at the table where these conversations are happening and so it's using your seat at the table to fight for the rights of those minority groups in the same way that those people would do mm-hmm. that's so nice i love it i love the thought that it's like it's the little small acts as well as the larger grand gestures like things like asking someone's pronouns and mm-hmm. all of those little things that you do repetitively and um as well as as well as how you represent at, at the table as you said do you think imogen will ever make it as an ally yeah oh 100 yeah. i think there's a lot of conversations i think it was really funny around you know imogen the character of that imogen seems like she's on the i'm an ally into embracing her own internalized homophobia and then maybe embracing her own maybe. queerness yeah maybe who knows what path goes for imogen but i think she really does want to be an ally i think she just exists she's a teenage girl in an all-girl mm-hmm. school and so <laughs> A lot of those thoughts are from that environment of like, you know, one of the girls I think says it as they're walking past the beginning of like, oh, well, just because she was kissing a girl at a party doesn't mean that she's a lesbian. Like sometimes girls do that sometimes. And I think that's that's the presumption that they make. It's like, oh, that girl was her girlfriend. Like, yeah, she wasn't just kissing a girl at a party. It wasn't just this like thing that people girls sometimes do it's like oh oh, she's actually a lesbian like <laughs> and I think it's a really important moment for Tara for her to say I'm a lesbian mm-hmm. yeah to own it and to yeah speak it so confidently definitely definitely should we talk about Tao for a while mm-hmm. yeah we pick up Tao's story arc um, when he's having lunch with Isaac he's complaining that Charlie has been eating lunch with Nick far too much Isaac, who has realized what's going on, comments that they're in the honeymoon phase. I love Isaac. It's so good. He's really perceptive too. Like he clocked this relationship right from the very start. Mm-hmm. As Harry and a group of um, the boys from, from year 11 approach, Tao comments that it's a bad idea to even walk near them, let alone befriending one of them. He thinks that Charlie's putting himself in danger for some unrequited crush. He thinks that this is just a a little unrequited crush. In the background, we see that Harry's preparing to throw his rugby ball and he calls catch just as it hits Tao in the face. Harry laughs and offers a really insincere apology. And Nick asks Tao if he's okay and asks for the ball back. Tao refuses and um, then he throws it at Nick as he walks away. I have such a like negative response to this character and I feel so bad about it but my goodness it just makes me want to like hide and like cry like what a like really really good characterization of like a bully in high school but my gosh it just makes me ill to watch him on screen I'm not gonna lie not easy it's It's definitely not easy (laughs) it's the first time that we've seen him lash out physically in Heartstopper at least I think it is I can't remember him lashing out physically before rather than just with insults. Is it pretty common for bullies that bullies' behaviours in schools to kind of escalate like this, from verbal assaults to physical? I don't know. I think it's, it's. I don't think that's like a, would you say so, Molly? Like, I, I don't think it's necessarily the case, because I think that people make the assumption that a physical assault is automatically worse than a verbal assault versus sometimes people's verbal assaults just get stronger and stronger and worse and worse and worse do you know that's a really good yeah. point actually that's a really good point I think I think it depends like sometimes 
you know, like you said, those verbal assaults will hurt more. But I think what what we see is usually like the small things of like, oops, sorry, my ball. Yeah. I kicked my ball in the wrong yeah. way. And actually playing it off it wasn't as an in the accident. Wrong way. Mm. And then they're like, well, you can't, it's like, it's not my fault that I kicked it the wrong way. Like it was an accident. Um, what I think is interesting about this, this scene, and I don't know if it's intentional, but obviously they say like, oh, Nick, Charlie's probably off eating lunch with Nick. And then we see Nick. So it's, if Charlie's not eating lunch with Nick and he's not eating lunch with his friends, where is Charlie? Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that before. Yeah, where me, is he? Me, I, wa- I noticed it when I was watching it through like most recently. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like an intentional comment about Charlie not eating lunch or if it's yeah. just a complete plot hole. But I think it's important that Nick is with those people yeah. because this is the first time we see that kind of homophobia, low-level homophobia from Ch- Ch- Nick's friends yeah. since his kiss with Charlie. And it's the first time we see Nick not say anything. Oh, it's interesting watching his response. Like, I, as I was watching it, I was like, this is so... Because, like, I liked it and I hated it at the same time because it was like he, like, kind of was, like, trying to be, like, oh, sorry, but also he was just, like, not doing anything to stop this person from being hateful and it was so hard because that's what a lot of young people and like you know as an adult as well like if someone does something hateful you have to fight this balance between standing up and like having integrity and wanting be to be supportive while also protecting yourself from being hurt or being isolated or being like pushed against and that's a very difficult choice because you know, it goes back to like the kind of like privilege talk as well. Like if you're in that place of privilege, you'd feel like you'd have more responsibility. But also at the same time, you're thinking about yourself. Everybody's yeah. always thinking about themselves first. And if you're afraid and if you're trying to protect yourself, and I think Nick in these in these in these um, scenes probably feeling more protective of himself than he has in a lot of other scenes. Of course, like he's not going to be as standing up. So it's kind of like this really interesting thing where this kind of passive response where he's trying to like be like I'm sorry, but also not doing enough it's it's a weird feeling to watch for me yeah it's one of the conversations that comes up a lot with allyship Mm -hmm. is you know in order to be an ally you have to not be a bystander and like if you see something hateful you have to call it out in order to be an ally Mm -hmm. and actually I think the show poses an interesting conversation of putting your own needs sometimes first as well Mm -hmm. of like you know absolutely call out that hate if it's safe for you to do so yes and if if you know you are able to do so and a lot of people you know throughout the show there's been conversations about whether or not Tao is a good friend to Charlie you know whether the way that Tao instantly has his back up and I think this show shows this moment in the show shows exactly why Tao is so apprehensive about Nick's and you know whether or not Nick's feelings for Charlie are true because he lets his friends do this and says nothing. And I think this moment really shows like, well, is it any wonder that Tao is so apprehensive because he witnessed everything that happened to Charlie over his last few years and, you know, probably has quite an insight into how much it affected Charlie more so than the audience do. He obviously doesn't want Charlie to end up back in that kind of, 
really negative headspace that he previously was in. Yeah, for sure. It's such an interesting point because educational institutions for kids are a really intimidating, quite, they can be quite terrifying, especially whenever you're in a position like Nick, where you've discovered this new part of your personality, you're, you're starting to discover who, who you are. Um, and you just want, I don't know, you're just so nervous about people finding out about it. And I guess that's, that all contributes to how he feels too that he he wants to to stand up for against these things but again as you say he just finds it hard um, after the rugby match they're chatting again above the stands and Tao acknowledges that Charlie's probably not going to give up on his crush with crush on Nick and suggests that they better stop trying to uh, stop getting involved of course it's just him that's getting involved Elle jokes that he's the king of getting involved and the conversation changes focus to her friends in this moment, Tao shows some real insecurity about what's happening. He starts to tell Elle that it was so nice to meet her friends at the rugby match, but asks if um, they've replaced him, if they've replaced their little friendship group, as if anyone could replace his incredibly loud and annoying presence, as Elle says. <laughs> I feel really sorry for Tao here. Like, he really does feel under threat by all the changes that are going, that are taking place. Yes. So relatable because I I was quite a like nerdy, like, like kind of like a loser kind of young person when I was younger. And like my (laughs) friend group was so important to me because I had so few of them and I was so like teased and bullied and treated really poorly. And any time I felt like my friend group was like under threat or like there was someone who was like more closer to one of my friends than another, I felt like they all hated me because it was like, well, I have so few of you that I need you to stay with me and it, it caused a lot of like not not necessarily like negative behavior but a lot of clinginess and a lot of maybe like inappropriately like connected friendships for me and yeah. that's taken years to deal with and even now like it's not something that I'm easily deal with dealt with now like when it comes to friends changing and moving around in my life so like watching this happen like I'm just like oh I, I just I feel I feel it I feel it because of course when you see your friend group changing and moving and it's so hard to find that friend group in the first place you're gonna feel like you've lost everything and and it can cause you to act in ways that make it even more difficult to sustain that friendship and then you feel like it's your fault and then you act out again and it's just this really really difficult difficult pattern um I, i felt so so much for him there honestly yeah i think it's such a kind of quintessential queer experience mm-hmm. of yeah. being so protective over your friends because these are people who probably you don't have to come out to and so these are people that you know know your insecurities and I think you know we see a lot of insecurity around friendships with Tao throughout the show it's one of the first I think the first scene we see Tao in is him talking about well we're not a group anymore. We're now a trio in the first yeah, episode. Yeah, that's right. The first time we see Tao, he's insecure about his friendship group. And it kind of becomes a, a kind of common running theme, whether it's people bailing on movie night or, yeah. you know, those experiences are something that are really important to Tao. And he, you know, he does struggle with that change. And I think that's something, you know, relating to with what you said, Maria, around particularly with people who aren't the popular kids often their biggest fear is the popular kids Mm -hmm. and you can really see (laughs) this this fear in tower of like these are the people who've bullied us and made our living hell for years 
why is Charlie suddenly yeah. so okay with spending mm -hmm. time with them when they made his life more than anyone? Um, yeah, I really feel for Tao, and I think that he just wants to be a good friend, and he definitely go about it in the best way all of the time. But I think they do such a good job of he's a teenager, yeah. and teenagers don't go about things in That's the best right. way. Time. <laughs> they act on impulse. Yeah. That's right. And one of the things that I love about Tao's story arc and a lot of the story arcs in Heartstopper are that these are just their stories about being a teenager. Like the fact that Charlie's queer and that Elle is transgender and that Tao is straight doesn't really come into it. He's just a teenager who's really struggling with his friendship group changing. That's what his story arc is. I think that's one of the best things about Elle's story is that she goes to, to this new school and her problem is not that she's a trans girl in an all-girls school. The problem is that she's the new girl. And that's, that's something right. that any young person who's been the new person at school will be able to relate to whether they're trans or not. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we don't see this absolutely tragic story of no one wants to be friends with her because she's trans. It's she takes a minute to find her feet because she's the yeah. new girl. That's right. It's so refreshing in a way that that was the angle that they took with their story arc. It would have been so easy for them to create a lot of drama around those experiences, but it's great that they didn't. Should we stick with the rugby match? So the Trium team are playing yeah. St. John's. We join them as they're getting off the bus and they go for a jog around the pitch to warm up. Charlie's telling Nick that his friends are coming to show support and Charlie reassures Nick that he's not going to say anything about their relationship and Nick asks if he's sure that it's okay. Charlie takes off towards his friends whenever they arrive. He greets Elle with a big hug. The friends are all dressed head to toe in blue. Did you notice? Like they're all wearing blue apart from Tao. Maybe it's just a shoe support for the team who also plays in blue, but I can't help but think it's because they're in this heteronormative environment and that's the colour of, of hetero, the heteronormative culture in Heartstopper, according to my theory anyway. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the only person that isn't head to in blue is Tao. Because Tao is the only person that refers to himself as straight throughout the show. Oh, well, that's true. You know, Tao says, as your honorary straight friend, and sometimes people are straight. You know, Tao lives in the heteronormative world. Yes. And maybe in this moment, what we see is that the queer characters have come to this highly masculine, highly heteronormative rugby match, and they're trying to fit in or trying not to stand out by wearing the colour of straightness. What they showed us with colours is fascinating. And there's probably some university student out there analysing it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's such an interesting angle, yeah, that Tao is the only one that's not dressed head to toe in blue because he lives in this world. This is his world that they're in, this heteronormative culture. In the meantime, Nick has moved away from the rest of the rugby team and is stretching close by, but within earshot. Do you think that he's nervous about what Charlie's going to say and he's hanging out close to them just so that he can kind of listen in to what they're talking about? I think it's interesting because I think Charlie says what Nick knows he's going to say, but it makes him sad. And you can yeah. kind of like feel, I feel like you kind of kind of feel that it's like, he knows he's he's asked him and he knows it's so, like, that's what they're like, have to discuss. But it's also like, oh god like now i'm listening to my friend lie to us or my my yeah. potential love interest lie to his friends and like i knew this was going to happen and like that's what i wanted but now oh my gosh is that what i wanted oh my gosh like and you can kind of see that play out later on in the game as well how that's kind of like affecting him emotionally yeah 
I think Charlie referring to Nick as his friend makes Nick sad. Mm, I think you yeah. see Nick that it could yeah, be like, definitely, I don't want to just be your friend. Like, he's obviously anxious about it. Like, oh, is he going to say anything? And then actually you see the flip of, well, actually, I really don't like being referred it's to like, as a friend. Oh, but does he actually only see me as a friend? He's just, oh my gosh, yeah. but he doesn't like me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much by panic. <laughs> it's so funny because in the in the moment you kind of feel Charlie's pain because he has to like he's standing mm. telling his friends, um, his really close friends and his really supportive friends that it that his relationship with Nick is totally platonic. And we know that his friends would be so excited for him if they were if he was mm. actually to be honest. Nick's friends have arrived too. Imogen is smiling and waving as she passes. She physically comes between Nick and Charlie at this point. Um, she walks through physically um, breaking the sightline. Um, Nick waves back. He's called by Harry to rejoin the team and they start the rugby match. It's a pretty brutal rugby match, to be fair. Charlie describes the other team as little adult men. They're a specialist sports school. Um, we see the two groups of friends cheering at the sidelines. Imogen's really excited and she cheers for Nick. And yeah, Charlie's friends don't really seem to understand what's going on. They're just there to show support for him. But as the rain starts, they all get out their umbrellas. Tara and Darcy share a pansexual pride umbrella, which is lovely to see the, the colours of the pansexual flag. Uh, represented too. Charlie's other friends mm. all have umbrellas. They're a mixture of blue and yellow. Tao in particular and Elle share an umbrella that's blue on the outside and yellow on the inside. Again, mm. um, potentially because Tao is a heterosexual young man who's falling in love with a transgender woman. Yeah, I was going to say what the show does with colours is is so clever. I think the way that it you, yeah, you said, you know, we see the pansexual flag throughout and, yeah. you know, the way that Elle is shown is so wonderful in the sense of like, you know, Elle and Tao potentially starting to have feelings for each other. Elle is treated as much of a girl and is just treated as a girl. Yeah. You know, Tao refers to himself as straight and never questions whether or not he is straight in f- in falling for Elle. And I think that's a conversation that, you know, a lot of people go, well, well, wait, if I, if I, I'm a, if I fancy a trans girl, um, but does that make me queer in any way? It's yeah. Like, well, would you have make that same question in for someone who was cis? Mm-hmm. And I think it just, like you said, it usualizes all of it. Definitely. Um, Isaac too has a colorful umbrella with lots of different colors. All of Nick's friends have blue umbrellas, apart from Ben, who has a yellow umbrella. Again, yellows for queerness, and we all know that Ben is struggling with his queerness. It's one of his key conflicts. Yeah, his conflicts is one of his, the conflicts of his character, I guess. Poor Ben. Like, I want to feel sorry for him, but I also I <laughs> really don't at the same time. Like, his behaviour, you it doesn't justify his behaviour, but Ben's got a lot of internalised homophobia going on. And he does. You know, we get he very really little insight into what Ben's home life is like, how That's Ben right. has been raised what Ben has been raised to believe and he doesn't execute it in the right way in any way shape or form no that's right um but I can see him going on and being in his you know in his 30s and happily maybe married to a man and thinking I really made some mistakes at school (laughs) yeah definitely Mm -hmm. definitely there's no doubt that his behavior is totally unexcusable like the way he and behaves around Charlie and how he treats Charlie is horrendous. But at the same time, he's so troubled. He's just a teenage boy. Like he's what, 15, 16 at the time? 
and he's really struggling. You know, don't don't people like that deserve help too, in a way? Mm. It's like a this kind of like battle between um what he's feeling and like the kind of like this is gonna sound so silly, but like the like institutional patriarchy that's been like shoved at him his whole life and like he's living that life of like yeah. straight white cis boy like making my family proud but actually oh gosh these feelings that are actually very similar to people who i've been told are like weird gay freaks and it's like actually they're not weird gay freaks or actually it's okay and that yeah. being gay is is okay or being something that you've been told is not okay is actually a really good thing and like you think about all the stories and like different like tv shows that you've watched I, i've watched the show um i love watching shows where like you hate somebody so much because they're such a jerk and every single decision they make is horrible and then you realize <laughs> yeah. that every decision they've made is because of what they've been taught and how they've been raised and they slowly start to react and change how they behave and become somebody that maybe they would have hated and treated really poorly and been told was not okay and watching that journey and you kind of hope that that's maybe something that is included in this story as as things go on which you know i i don't know necessarily because i've not watched or, re or read the the stories after this but oh, it's interesting he doesn't appear again after after the first two books. So season one of Heartstopper is based off the first two books in the graphic novel series. And Ben doesn't appear in the graphic novels after that point. Well, um, I guess he's just evil for the rest of his life then, if we're being honest, you know. <laughs> maybe we'll see him in, in the new one that comes out in book five or oh, six maybe or he'll make a Oh, maybe he'll reappear, my maybe. goodness. We don't know. Whatever genius Alice Osman is, but I, I can always see like a, a future comic of like Ben and Charlie bump into each like other updated... in, in the street one day or something. Yes. And Ben's just like, so I figured some stuff out. <laughs> and I'd like to say I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does make me laugh is, uh, what makes me laugh is the actor who plays Ben, um, Seb Ashcroft, in his Instagram bio is captain of the Ben Hope hate club. And <laughs> yeah. I think that's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Alice has said that she's not sure that Ben deserves a happy ending. Although he has been like he's Bash has been commissioned or he's been employed in season two again. So he will make an appearance in the TV mm, show. Interesting. Um, I would love I would love to see that story arc where Ben is taken from this place with really quite troubling issues to a point where he at least accepts who he is and, and kind of embraces mm. his queerness. And I don't know. It would be nice to see. I hope I it happens. In, at some point in the books, they try that Harry maybe gets some sort of redemption arc. He I does. can't fully remember because I've not read them for a while. I care less about Harry's redemption arc and more about, oh, about Ben's. I think definitely, definitely. Harry I, does not deserve a redemption I'm arc. I'm not really sure I'm interested in that part, to be honest with you. But... <laughs> that happens in Paris. He apologizes whenever they're in Paris. And, and yeah, I think it's Paris anyway. I don't think he deserves a happy ending. Definitely not. <laughs> Where did we get to? Charlie gets tackled a couple of times during the game. We see Nick calling out his name. He's really concerned. Rain turns to thunder as the game progresses. Charlie does commit. He takes Coach Singh's advice and he commits to tackling this really large rugby player. And he gets injured. He gets knocked over and uh, Nick calls out his name again. We get this really great shot of Nick from behind as he's standing kind of watching Charlie on the ground with Charlie's friendship group on his left side and his friendship group on the right side. And He's kind of stuck in the middle 
we cut to Nick's friend group and Ben is holding his yellow umbrella. He's having a really good laugh with a few of the friends about what's happened. Imogen's the only one that looks a bit concerned. All of Charlie's friends look concerned, of course, and Nick wants to run over to Charlie. You can see in his face that he just really wants to go and and support Charlie. And uh, yeah, but he stops himself. His mind flashes to this imagined scene back to the moment whenever he's asking Charlie to keep their relationship a secret. The rain follows him into that imagined scene. It's symbolic of how he feels. Um, He really wants to be there for Charlie and doesn't feel like he can. Did you notice, I don't know, maybe I just like was like, like not paying enough attention earlier in the episode, but whenever um, Nick was thinking back to the moment where he asked Charlie to keep it a secret, was that the way Charlie's face looked initially? Or was that a dramatized version of what his face looked like to Nick in that conversation where he was like, oh, keep it a secret. And then like Charlie's face is like, this like tragic, sad looking face in this scene whenever he's know. injured. I want to go back and watch at some point. I do too. Cause I was thinking of that. I was like, that, that has to, I don't think he reacted that way. I think he was a lot, but maybe I just didn't look at his face, you know? Cause he seemed quite like chill about it, but then like, he's got this like really dramatic reaction in, in his memory. And so it kind of just shows to me again, like how guilty he's feeling he and feels. how sad, you know, he feels like he's like Definitely. being this other bad relationship when that's just completely not what it is but I I definitely felt that in that scene in particular definitely and he definitely like Nick is carrying a lot of guilt and it's getting like it's he you see it growing and growing and growing as this episode progresses I think it does a really good job of showing how much young people have going on in their heads whilst they're also trying to learn and get an education Um, it's mad that we often maybe don't think about is the fact that you know, to a to a fifteen, sixteen year old, you know, what might only be a two week old relationship is like world ending. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so for the sure. fact that Nick's trying to spin, are his friends morally good people? Is he bisexual? Is he hurting Charlie by asking them, is oh, he as bad so as Ben? Much. There's so much going on in this young man's mind, whilst he's also, I think at this point Nick's in year eleven. Oh, yeah, so that's right. <laughs> There's pressure of GCSEs and everything. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's a lot of statistics out there about young people's mental health. Mm-hmm. And often, whether, you know, queer people's mental health is significantly worse. And it's often put down to queer people's mental health is worse because they face homophobia. And don't get me wrong, that has a big impact on it. But it's also because they're trying to figure out these huge, big yeah. life questions. And even more so for transient people who are having to deal with the process of going through puberty at that time and their body changing into something that they're trying to stop whilst also trying to learn a curriculum and have, you know, if we think back to when you're 15, 16 and the pressure of like these exams will alter the course of your entire life Mm. and you must pick the path that you want to do at 16 for your entire life. And the amount of pressure that must put on young people. Yeah. You kind of look at all this stuff that Nick's going through and think, no wonder poor man's stressed. Yeah, for mm. sure. And it's not something that's touched on at all in his story arc is is him actually going through GCSEs and doing exams and all of that kind of stuff is just not even mm-hmm. mentioned, you know. The coach calls rugby game off and Charlie's taken to the medical room. And this is a really, really lovely moment for the, the pair again. Um, the medical room has blue walls. It's a wash with pink light from the window above. On the windowsill, there's two little plant pots that are blue and yellow. 
Nick knocks and walks in and he asks about Charlie's nose. And uh, yeah, there's this really sweet moment whenever he wipes some blood off Charlie's face and they're staring into each other's eyes. It's a moment where we can see how deeply connected the two are becoming. As the Heartstopper music plays and they're surrounded by pink animated light and we have some leaves float past. Charlie apologizes for being clingy and annoying. He's really starting to blame himself for everything that's happening. He thinks that he's making it awkward for Nick and that he's messing everything up. But Nick thinks he's the one that should be apologizing. But before he can uh, expand and explain himself, Isaac walks in and he interrupts again. Um, Isaac clearly knows what's going on. It's really funny to watch. He apologizes for interrupting, but he has this huge smile on his face. Why do we love Isaac so he, much? Oh, Isaac. He just he just wants his fans to be happy. He's yeah. like, whatever you want, I want for you. Oh, you be happy. Live your life. I'm not gonna judge. Yeah. Like, oh, I want I want every one of my friends to be like Isaac. I want to be Isaac. You know, yeah. like, I want to believe in romance. Oh, that's what I love it. That's so the beginning. Yeah, I love it. I, also, I absolutely love it. I love the little details of like what book Isaac is carrying oh, at different great. moments as well. The fact that he brings the bo- a book by a rugby player to a rugby match. <laughs> That's so I think true. Is so clever. What a cute, um, loyal friend. My favorite one is when they go bowling later on in the season. Yeah. Um, he's reading Radio Silence, which is the book about <laughs> the character that Isaac's loosely based off. Yeah, um, that's right. And it's just, I just love, I, I was that friend with the book. And I think I always Aww. relate to that, like, I just love that he's just always got a book on him for when things get a little bit too much and when things get overwhelming. He's like, if you need me, I'll be over here with my book. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's so good. He's so good. Nick gets up to leave as Charlie reassures him that Isaac's not going to say anything again. It's like almost a painful moment to watch, having mm-hmm. to reassure somebody that their secret's safe. Outside, there's a really uncomfortable exchange between Harry and Imogen. He asks her what she's waiting for and gives her a really hard time when she tells him that she's waiting for Nick. He asks if she's finally ready to make her move. What a dick. And he calls Mm -hmm. her a coward. And after the game, Nick comes out and greets her. Everybody is standing around watching per Imogen. There's so much pressure on her. And uh, she asks Nick to go out on a date with her. She is clearly uncomfortable and doesn't really want to ask this. Harry has a lot to answer for the way that he messes with people's heads. I hate him. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? Are you allowed to hate a teenager? Like, he's a fictional teenager. I hate him. I hate him so much. Oh, my gosh. I, like, I'm not even... What's interesting is that so many queer people were like, Yep, I had a Harry. Yeah. I had a, a guy at my school who thought the answer to everything was your mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, he says a lot, but then does that. He's the type of person who'd be like, oh, that's so gay. Mm-hmm. And yes. that is a word that's reappearing in schools it now. Is. It went away for a bit. And it there was, definitely is, though. There was a lot of people being like, oh, like, we, we won't use that. And there was a lot of education. But in the last few years, kind of just since kind of around COVID or just pre-COVID, the thing of like, oh, that's so gay has really come back into people's vocabularies. And I think every every year group usually ends up with a Harry. And I think that's why we hate him so much is that particularly with, you know, queer young people, they've either seen the effects of what having a Harry in your school is 
or they felt the effects of having a Harry in their school. It's such an interesting point when you say the effects of a Harry in your school, because you feel like, I feel like without a Harry, it's so much less. Like he, he like the, magn- the magnitude of his effect on the attitude in a school system, somebody with that com- that much confidence and that much like visceral like disrespect and like kind yeah. of like like ignorance and like dislike for for other people can alter like yeah. the vibe of a school year and it's like take Without- away Harry and it's like how much different would the experience for people in that school be like you know especially people like Ben mm-hmm. I think the way yes, that Harry acts absolutely has such an impact because I think Harry and Ben are like best friends mm-hmm. yeah and so that probably plays a big part into it and he's got a lot to answer for oh definitely yeah. definitely i'm not convinced that if if it wasn't for the pressure that harry puts her under the imogen would have ever gotten to a place where she asked nick out yeah. and i know that it's a really important yeah. plot tool in charlie and ben or sorry in charlie <laughs> and nick's story arc this it's a really yeah. important um plot tool to add a bit of drama but we see in episode three, whenever she tells Nick that she likes him, that he doesn't really like her. She understands that, I think. And um, yeah, I'm not convinced. Yeah, she's it. like, cool. Definitely. I think that would have probably been the end of it if there wasn't that like pressure. And I think it shows the pressure often that, you know, younger girls like Imogen and things. Is that a thing of like, go on, ask him out, ask him out. Yeah. Rather than them doing things on their own terms definitely mm-hmm. definitely we've got a great episode planned next week with two of your colleagues maria um from car friend we're meeting with ryan and riley and we're going to be talking about peer pressure along with a lot of other stuff that happens in chapter five can't remember what chapter five's called isn't that terrible anyway tune in next week for that it's going to be a great episode don't miss it that's where we leave it pretty much. We leave the show. We just see that Tao and Elle have overheard this conversation where where Nick has been asked out by Imogen and agrees to go out on a date with Imogen. What an episode. I feel like mm-hmm. there's so much happened so in this episode. So much happens in this episode. I absolutely loved it. It was really good. What were your impressions? Did you guys enjoy the episode? I definitely did. I think I've, I've only watched this uh, the show really with alongside young people. And so not that like I wasn't paying attention, but quite a lot of the times I'd be like more paying attention to what the young people's reaction were yes. or they'd be like talking over it or like really like having <laughs> conversations. So I've not gotten fully like to see everything from like my own perspective and in that way. But I think watching this, especially just like watching it a couple of times and especially today, it was like, oh my goodness. Like I, I just love watching. It's got so much like meat to yeah. it or sorry for for you vegetarians it's got so much broccoli to it i don't know i don't want i don't want to say something offensive um but it's got so much to it and like again it goes back to again just like that like valuable and like really lovely like representation of like what it actually means to be queer cuz it's not like barrier gaze or yeah. queer coding or any of that it's just like a solid story but like the people in the story aren't straight you know Definitely. and that's so awesome to see even if it's like really difficult in some places and even if there are like things that you don't like it's just such a normal story just with it being about us you know definitely I, I, i absolutely love that i love that definitely do you think it's been impactful for your um the the young people that go to your youth group smally have they enjoyed the show they have loved it um you know it's made such a such an impact for them and, you know, we had the pleasure at Manchester Pride of chatting to Yasmin, who plays Elle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Yasmin grew up in Manchester and, you know, went to Proud Trust Youth Groups before. And for them to see themselves, you know, we have a lot of conversations around the importance of positive representation. And 
for our young people just to see themselves reflected in screens is yeah. such an important tool you know it's sparked conversations with people a lot of people have used it to watch with their parents you know when they've had family movie nights and they've gone oh well you know what should we watch on tv and they've got oh there's this show on netflix we'll yeah watch this. yeah yeah they've watched it with their parents to kind of gauge their parents the reaction to it. Mm-hmm. So and good. then they've been able to go I'm like Elle or I'm like oh. Charlie and that's made such an impact for them and just to see themselves you know on screen makes them feel not alone yeah. you know I think when you're a young person you can feel incredibly isolated even if you do go to a youth group yeah I think that's the important of things like LGBT plus youth groups is mm-hmm. you can go and you know you can say oh, I got dead name today and that was really annoying and people yeah. get what you're saying they understand yes you don't have to spend the first 20 minutes of the conversations explaining what that means like what you were saying earlier yeah Which, what you, I love that like where you're like where you, what you said earlier that was so interesting Molly I loved it and I was just going to touch on that there is it's like people think that like being gay is like all the discrimination, but it's the identity crises and the constantly trying to understand and constantly trying to explain. And that's exactly like that is such a good point you've just made there where like all you want is for people to get who you are without it being a big deal and a big effort. You know, like that's such a that's such a great point. Yeah. And just to be able to experience the things of teenagers. So I think having this show that is, you know, also age appropriate I think a lot of the times when we see teenage shows you know if we think about shows that have LGBT characters like Riverdale or um, you know Euphoria, Pretty Little Liars those type of shows they often have they're about 15 year olds but they have maybe an 18 age rating and so they're not accessible to people Mm. of those ages I think this is the first time we've had an accessible and appropriate show that you can watch with your parents without cringing because it's an inappropriate scene it's comfortable and it's you know it's become a lot of people's comfort shows of when they're feeling down they'll maybe watch an episode or or two there's so much joy in it it's had such a monumental impact on young people for you know a show that's four hours long Mm -hmm. i know that's so true like it's only eight episodes and it's like 25 minutes an episode you know it's a quick show but people it's just it's so lovely and it's great for it's been great for me because i can watch it with my kids like i've got a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old and we watch it together and we can have conversations about queerness and about um, all these different things that we maybe haven't chatted about in the past especially with my nine-year-old jack like me and Sophia, like my 13 year old will watch Drag Race together. And, you know, we have like a really good relationship but with Jack. He's nine and you can't really watch Drag Race with a nine year old. You know what I mean? It doesn't really work. <laughs> but he loves Heartstoppers so much and we'll watch it together and we'll talk about queerness. Like he was he was up um, here today and he was he had all the different pride flags and he's like what pride flag is this is this the bisexual pride flag and is this the transgender pride flag and we were having like we were having these conversations it's great so good it's so good it started so many conversations around different things whether it's with you know lgbt plus young people but also it was watched by a lot of non-lgbt plus people and a lot of teachers and and people like that yeah it started those conversations that people have been trying to have for years that suddenly it's like okay actually this is the experience of the young people in our schools we need to try and change what what they're going through to make sure that 
they maybe don't have the negative experiences that Charlie have. Yeah, for It's sure. just, it's so good. It's so important. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. And you two are lovely too. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> Thank you. on. Uh, Hi, it was thanks really enjoyable. so I really, really loved it. oh i'm so pleased uh i wouldn't have a podcast if it wasn't for guests like you i am so grateful um that you guys gave up some of your time today come on to come on and um to share a little bit about yourselves and about the work that you do and about your organizations and to talk talk about heartstopper do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up i just really really love talking about queer stuff with people and getting the <laughs> place to do that for people to hear people talking about queer stuff I love it especially like yeah uh, like as a like I'm a bisexual woman in a relationship with a man and I just feel like sometimes I don't get to experience this as much as I can and the past year has been such a change for me and, and this has been so enjoyable to talk to people who understand it and get it and feel it um so I really appreciate the opportunity so thank you both for for, for like just the conversation today honestly it's, it's meant a lot it has been so good it really has and I feel that too like as a, like I'm pansexual and I've got kids and people always assume straightness and I've always almost felt like I'm not queer enough for the community. You know, it yes, sounds really funny, yes. but especially whenever I was in like a quite a long term heterosexual relationship, like we didn't we weren't part of the queer community. You know what I mean? And yeah, now, I do. Um, <laughs> one of the things that Lisa said, Lisa from Shout Out was on in episode two and she said that we talked about the importance of community and how she found community and shout out and the work that she'd done and I didn't realize that community is what I've been missing like it was something that I didn't know that I was missing and it's why I love the podcast so much because just to sit and have conversations with people and meet people that are from all kinds of different um, backgrounds is just so good it's so good and I love it and I'm really pleased that you guys have been a part of it and um, I know that you're both going to come back on again at some point in the future um, yep. to do other episodes, which I absolutely cannot wait for. Should we say cheerio to everybody? Yeah, yeah thanks absolutely. so much for listening. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you want to get in touch to share your own story or to talk about Heartstopper or to tell us anything at all, um, you can email us at properfullongc at gmail.com. You can also text us on 88440. Um, start your message with PFOGC. Thanks so much for listening and thanks again, Molly and Maria. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. See you again soon. Bye. This has been a production of Shut Up and Listen in partnership with the Pride Trust and Cara Friend. Your hosts are Maria, Molly and me, Jamie. Follow us on social media at Proper Full on GC. Learn more about our partners at properfullongaycrisis.com and discover our other hit shows at shutup.world.